This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! It's one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. One of the great things about this show that I've been telling you is the access that you get with A's Cast Live. No other team in baseball is giving you the access like we have. Logan Davidson, the number one pick out of Clemson, is here. He has just signed. He just met Bob Melvin. We got to see all of that. And he is going to join us later today in the program at about 520. Right now, it's kind of like the zoo. We've got all these cameras on him and as he's putting on his cleats and his glove and he's walking on the field for the first time. As he knows a little bit about... A's baseball, as he said in his press conference, he really liked the movie Moneyball, so he knows about the Oakland Athletics, and he knows that there's a there's a love for Clemson players right now after what the Raiders did in the draft, drafting a bunch of Clemson guys. So he even mentioned that going, you know, with the Raiders and now me coming here, a lot of love for Clemson in the Bay Area, one of the great universities in the ACC. He is a tall drink of water for a shortstop. What do they have him listed as, Commander Cody? Is he 6'4"? He's got to be around at least 6'3". So he is signed. He is in. And the joke was to Scott Boris, and I actually rode in the elevator with Logan's parents, his sister, his girlfriend is here, Scott Boris. And I made the joke with Scott Boris. He doesn't play football, right? And he he joked. He goes, nah, the Clemson quarterback's too good. That couldn't happen. But, uh, yeah. It's good to get him here. I mean, this is the future. This is the future of A's baseball right here. A, a switch hitting shortstop, power with both sides of the plate, plays outstanding defense. A lot of people thought that he could have gone a lot higher, and it's almost like I remember talking to Eric Kubota. I remember talking to David Force. They were just thrilled that he dropped to them. But he, he looks like he is going to be something, and I can't wait to see him take batting practice. If you remember last year, the first swing that Kyler Murray had, he hit the ball out of the ballpark. So the exposure of these players, we know more about these players than ever before. You can watch video of him. Of course, he's a guy playing at a premier uh, premier university. You can see him on ESPN during, during regionals, during the college baseball season, as they fell short of Omaha. He's 21 years old, hit 291. 55 runs, 18 doubles, two triples, 15 home runs, 55 RBIs with a 574 slugging percentage in 61 games for the Clemson Tigers. 
He's got some stats. The only thing that people were worried about when it was such a small sample size was what he did in the Cape Cod League with the Wood Bat League. But as Eric Kubota and also David Forrest told us, they're not worried about it whatsoever. They think his power is going to play. And you know what? We're going to get a chance to see it today. And we're, we're going to give you some play-by-play of what that's going to look like in his first batting practice ever at the big league level. And you have to think, it is so nerve-wracking, right? It's one thing when you're playing on national television on ESPN during the regionals. I'm sure that's a little nerve-wracking. And when you play at somewhere like Clemson, I'm sure a lot of their games are on regionally there. But here, you're going to be taking batting practice in front of the entire organization everybody is going to be out here everybody is going to the cameras are going to be on it's it's a batting practice experience that most players never deal with unless you're a first round pick because we're not going to see the third rounder out here we're not going to see the sixth or the tenth it's the number one pick and all eyes are going to be on him as he takes batting practice by the way a programming note get out there and tell did you put it out there on twitter i need to retweet this we have one of the greatest players to have ever lived joining us in a few moments here. The Hall of Famer, Jim Palmer, is going to be with us at 415. I've never had a chance to interview Jim Palmer. I've always seen him here and always say hello to him up in the press box. I've seen him at Cooperstown before. He's Jim Palmer. I can't wait to ask him about the days doing the jockey ads. He was an absolute rock star. He was the best pitcher in the game. He was a sex symbol. He was wearing underwear. I mean, he was Jim Palmer, for God's sakes. So I'm really looking forward to Jim Palmer today coming up here at 4.15. Josh Fegley will be here sometime around 4.30. And you talk about the year that he is having, Josh Fegley, from a standpoint of wondering if he could make the ball club to now he's a a legit all-star consideration behind the dish. So we'll talk to Fegley, and we'll talk to him about preparation, about the preparation that, as we now know, teams use more relievers than ever before. Then then that also means that you have to prepare as a catcher for more pitchers than ever before. You know, like like when we talk to these guys like Ray Fossey, where your starter went the whole game. You just had to work getting your starter through the ninth inning, and sometimes if he didn't, well, then you had Raleigh Fingers. Well, now your pitcher could be out in the fifth inning, and you don't know how many different guys you might see as a catcher. That is something that has really, really changed in the game. So that will be Josh Fegley sometime around 430. Logan Davidson, the number one pick who was just signed, will join us at 520. And then Scott Emerson, the pitching coach, one of the really cool guys in the organization, will be making his debut here. And there's a lot to talk about with, with the pitching because if you got a chance to listen to me yesterday on the A's Clubhouse show, I wasn't too thrilled with how the game went yesterday. And looking at a, a number that I heard today, the, basically the Mariners are going full-on dumpster dive. They have, as of right now, $0 committed to anybody in their franchise till 2022. Right now, 2022, there's not one guy that is scheduled to be on the Mariners. They are cutting everything they possibly can. 
And so what hurts what what hurt me yesterday is like knowing that knowing that these guys are going full on dive, the the the, the ship is sinking to the bottom of the sea, and you lose two out of three. To me, that is something that really hurt the athletics yesterday. And if we're going to keep talking about this team being a legit contender for being in the postseason, these are some of the conversations. You know, these are these are these are conversations we need to have. You can't be you can't be losing this. I'll say I'll tell you a conversation I'm watching right now is Matt Chapman and Scott Boris. Scott Boris, the super agent, is the representative for Matt Chapman, and there's been a lot of talk around here about these extensions that we've been seeing all over baseball. And I just wonder how much of the conversation has been out there between Chapman and Boris about maybe wanting to get one of these extensions done with the Oakland Athletics. Is it something that's very similar to the Bregman deal where it's about $105 million? Would that be something that Matt Chapman would be very interested in? Is Matt Chapman going to be one of those players that – wants to test free agency because it seems like the modern-day baseball player, for the most part, wants nothing to do with free agency. They don't even want to test it. If you can guarantee them money now, which is smart, all these players, no matter how you feel about what deal, no matter what it is, Blake trying to run and by, good to see him, giving us the little uh, peace sign. But, you know, some people have thought there's a lot of players that have left a lot of money on the table. But these are all people that don't have a lot of money. So it's funny to me that when someone offers, let's say, someone like Bregman $100 million, and then somebody in the media who will never make $100 million in their life is going to say, well, they left money on the table. Well, last time I checked, buying a house in Houston, and if you're going to stay in Houston for the rest of your career – and you've been paid a hundred million dollars. You'll never, if you're smart about, you're smart with your money. You're never going to have to worry about a dime. Your parents will never have to worry about a dime. Your kids will never have to worry about a dime. That's generational wealth with an opportunity to sign another contract. But if you're in a spot, if you're in a place that you want to be, you want to be here. If Matt Chapman wants to be here and the A's are willing to go out and give him that kind of deal, it's a match made in heaven. And he's the face of the franchise heading into this brand-new stadium. I understand why these guys do it. Free agency now looks brutal. If you look what Harper went through, if you look what Machado went through, did Machado really? Yeah, he got the money, but did he end up where he really wants to be? And long-term, as guys talk about long-term, Will this be one of those deals like when Alex Rodriguez signed with the Texas Rangers? It sounded good at the time. And then the minute the Rangers could get rid of the money, they traded him somewhere else. And A-Rod talked about spending his career in Texas. And he ended up in New York. Is that something that's going to happen with Machado? So I don't know. You know, free agency for a lot of these guys seems like they want no part of it. And so watching that conversation, very interesting. He's walking over right now. The Hall of Famer Jim Palmer will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. 
Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new Half Moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or coworkers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the Terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com slash premium today. Want to take home half of the 50-50 pot? This season, you'll have even more opportunities to test out your luck. The Oakland A's Community Fund will host a 50-50 raffle at every home game in 2019. Tickets are sold from gates opening through the last out of the sixth inning, from raffle sellers, or at the kiosk at Section 217. The winner will be announced in-game and will receive 50% of the jackpot, with the remainder benefiting the Oakland A's Community Fund. Learn more at athletics.com raffle. Free parking, free drinks, and maybe even your favorite A's players flying into your lap. The Field Box is a great way to entertain clients or enjoy a game with your family and friends. Located next to each dugout, now is your time to get in on the action right from the field. To learn more about the Field Box and other premium seating options, visit athletics.com premium or call us at 510-638-GO-A's. That's 510-638-4627. 510-638-4627. Want to give back to the community along with some of your favorite A's players and front office staff? Through the A's volunteer team, fans can join us in giving back to Oakland and the East Bay. Through your time and energy, fans can earn rewards based on the number of hours spent volunteering. To get started, visit athletics.com community. That's athletics.com community. From sweet plans to single game suites, there's nothing like premium hospitality and athletics baseball. New for the 2019 season, food and beverages are now included in all suites plus options to create a three game suite plan. Plus select plans also include an A's access membership, allowing you to attend every regular season home game. To learn more about A's suites, visit athletics.com suites. That's athletics.com suites. If you love chicken pies and a dynamic menu, then you're going to love the chicken pie shop of Walnut Creek. You have to try their world-famous chicken pie dinner, which has been served in Southern California for 80 years. That's a chicken pie shop right off Main Street in downtown Walnut Creek, located at 1251 Arroyo Way. Parking's easy, perfect for events, daily drink and food specials, and best of all, great food. Check out their menu at chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com, right off Main Street, Walnut Creek. A's cast, A's cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. It is A's Cast Live right here from Ricky Henderson Field, and we are now joined by one of the greatest pitchers of all time, a three-time World Series champion, a three-time Cy Young Award winner, six-time All-Star, and it's an honor to have you on the program. Jim Palmer, thank you so much for coming down and be a part of this. Well, you're welcome. I assume I'm on. Yes, you yes, are on. You are on. We are on live, and we're rocking. So, you know, looking at today's baseball, we were just talking about it, you know, and because and so many A's fans remember the great battles you had against the Oakland A's, especially in the 70s. Boy, have the game has changed. Well, yeah. I mean, they had a pretty nice team. I mean, you you know, come in, it, well, you know, it started, uh, what, 71, I guess, 
was the first year we played the A's. We, you know, we would lose to the Pirates in seven games, but to get to the World Series back then, you didn't. You only had the one. Uh, you had the championship series. Well, kind of the division series, three out of five, and we ended up beating the A's. I actually pitched here. I threw 169 pitches in a game, gave up three home runs, two to Reggie to the opposite field, and then Salbando hit one. But we won five to three, and then 169 pitches in the first. Um, uh, World Series game against the Pirates, a little different era there, but they, they, you know, they had some tremendous teams here, and then, you know, 72, uh, we didn't get to the playoffs, 73 and 4, they beat us in the playoffs, and, you know, those years, as you know, they were, you know, the uh, the A's won, in fact, I was looking at their team ERAs in 72, 3 and 4 when they won the championships, incredibly low, like 269, you know, 309, and another one in, uh, way under three runs a game, so uh, the ball wasn't as lively then as it is now. And you said 169 pitches. There's no way you'd ever see anything like that again. Well, we used to count them. Uh, you know, we used to have a pitching chart, and the day before you'd pitch, you'd, you'd uh, you know, you'd keep track of it. Uh, but they didn't really care. I, I, my first start in, um, you know, I kind of had to be with the club in 65 uh, because back then you didn't have a 40-man roster. You, you only had 25 guys and one guy you could protect. So I stayed in the big leagues, and the next year I thought I was – Going to the uh, minor leagues, and a bunch of guys got hurt in spring training. So my first start was in Fenway Park. I hit a home run because it was before the DH. Threw 177 pitches and uh, won 8-1 to one and, uh, you know, struck out 11. I think walked 7. And Harry Bikin was our pitching coach uh, who had been a great uh, pitcher with the Cardinals. And they said, uh, well, what do you want to see Palmer do? He said, well, we want to get that pitch count down in the 140s. So, uh, again, you know, they counted them, but uh, you just kind of threw them and – that's what you got paid for. I, I, you know, Andrew Castro, who's going to pitch for the Orioles tonight, said, I don't I don't realize how you um, pitched all those innings and, you know, threw all those pitches. I said, well, because we had to. And, uh, you know, the, the A's were no different. Uh, you know, if you look at Vita's first year in 71 or Catfish or Kenny Holtzman or a lot of the guys. In fact, you know, Raleigh Fingers is in the Hall of Fame. I think most people think because of his ability, you know, to save games and as a relief pitcher. But I actually – uh, end up winning the game here 3-2 against him uh, when he was a starting pitcher. So, you know, they had a lot of great pitchers for, for the A's and, you know, had a lot of position players that could beat you in so many different ways. You know, the first time I met you was in 1999 at the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I think of that era that you played in, all the great players in the National League, in the American League, and those all-star games that you had were so legendary. What was it like really playing in one of the great eras where it really had so much talent? Well, this is a, I mean, I don't want to demean the, you know, the, the era we have now, but. That year in 1970, um, Earl Weaver had said at the luncheon I was going to be the next 30 game winner. I hadn't won 20 yet. Uh, of course, I would go on to win 20 games eight out of the next nine years, but. You know, so, you know, Mays led off, and Pete Rose hit second. I think Johnny Bench hit third, and Aaron hit fourth. You know, 700 and, uh, what, 55 home runs or whatever it was. So, uh, you know, it was a pretty good era. But, uh, you know, again, back then it was my first roommate in baseball when I was 19 in the big leagues was Robin Roberts, who I think he had 605 uh, lifetime starts in 307 complete games. So it was a totally different era. I used to put him to sleep asking him questions, and he said, this is how. He said, number one, the best pitch in baseball is a fastball. You have a great one. I hope you're smart enough to understand that. Number two, you got a fastball you can throw for a strike. You have one you can throw for a ball. Same with your breaking ball. Good luck. 
And that's how it kind of <laughs> started. Night. Yeah. Well, well, he did say, you know, I was, like I said, I was 19 and he was 38. And um, I'm about to get run over by, what, what is this, um, by, by a card here. But, uh, he, you know, he said, listen, I'm 38, you're 19. He said, I need to get some sleep. So that's enough questions for now. But, but just think about the dynamics when you're 19 years old and you get the, you know, have back, you know, back then he did have roommates and Robin was good enough to actually help me uh, eventually become as good a pitcher as I would become. That and the fact that I played on, you know, one of the better organizations in baseball at that time. Oh, no doubt about it. The Oriole way, as they used to say, the great Jim Palmer joins us here on A's Cast Live. And you think of all the the science that we have now with all the radar and the track man and these high-tech cameras. Would you have liked to have all that back in your day to know your spin rate and your spin efficiency and that kind of stuff? Well, you know, Earl Weaver is one of the first guys that started using a, uh, you know, he's a Hall of Fame manager he's since, you know, he's passed away about four years ago, but he used a radar gun because if a guy couldn't, it would lose velocity late in the ball game. And, you know, the year we all won 20 games in, in 71, Coyar, McNally, Pat Dobson, and myself, we had 72 complete games. But if you would lose velocity, and those guys usually didn't, uh, that wasn't the case for them. You know, Steve Stone won, you know, won the Cy Young Award in 1980, won 25 games. But if he lost velocity in the seventh or eighth inning, he was gone. And that was one of the ways to tell. Um, I think – you know, if you go back and look at that particular era, um, if they had said, okay, why are they hitting all those pop-ups? Why are hitters telling you on when you're pitching on Wednesday, Monday, I'm not going to swing at that high fastball. Tuesday, I'm laying off that high fastball, and Wednesday, they'd swing at it. I, I guess I had pretty good spin rate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm not, you know, the hitters kind of told me that. So, you know, I think now, I go, again, because – I think in in this age, and and I and again, I'm not, you know, say anything to denigrate the modern day pitcher because, you know, this year particularly because the ball's so alive, um, or more lively than it's been, um, it's a different era. You don't throw as much. You you know, you don't throw 130, 40 pitches. So I used to play a lot of golf with Jim Cott, who won 200, I think, 83 games, 16 straight Gold Gloves, and he used to always say when we were playing on the golf course, he said, "Don't you think pitching's feel and touch?" So if you don't throw as many pitches, do you really probably have the same feel and touch? You know, it's probably a little more of a max effort game to, for, for some guys. So maybe the, you know, the cameras and all the analytics. You know, Buck Showalter was the Oriole manager for, you know, for what, about five or six years. No longer there, but, um, you know, he was manager of the year, you know, with the Yankees in 94 and then the Rangers in 2004, the Orioles in 2014. And a lot of people said, well, Buck doesn't like analytics. And, and Buck would simply say, if you can make my hitters or my pitchers better, I'm all for analytics. But let's not everybody's the same. So, you know, while I, I don't think, while I think it can help people and, you know, it can teach you um, maybe how to, st- how to stay behind your, uh, your fastball a little bit better or maybe underneath your breaking ball so you'll have better, you know, horizontal and vertical break. Um, so does a good windup, and those cameras don't teach you a, a good windup. What they do is maybe get let you know when you have a bad windup. But we always, you know, the hitter always told us that. You know, they always say, "What's that? Uh, that you know, maybe it's that, that verbiage." The hitter's always going to tell you how you're pitching. So when I and, and I think about you know you as a pitcher and your era, you guys were actually able to learn how to pitch and pitch through trouble. And that's the thing I'm a little bit worried, like in the minor leagues now. We're babying these guys so much, they don't know how to pitch through trouble, and now we're getting into this world of five and dive. 
Well, I, you know, we used to always call it, you know, five and fly. And, uh, you know, there have been some pretty good pitchers that did that in my era, but not, not a whole lot of them. Um, you know, I watch spring training games. I, you know, we don't broadcast that many. So I'll probably do two, three, maybe four spring training games. And in my era, you know, you, you would pitch on Wednesday. You'd pitch two innings in an inter-squad game. You'd pitch three innings on Saturday because we pitched every fourth day. We'd actually pitch one day shorter. And then you'd go to four innings, five innings maybe once, seven innings three or four times, and then you go down the bullpen. So if you had to pitch extra innings on opening day, um, you can do that. I mean, Bert Blylevin beat me on a misplayed fly ball in the 10th inning opening day uh, in Baltimore. Uh, probably in, I don't know, 1971 or two. So, again, you had to train yourself. That's what you got paid for. Uh, and, you know, Earl Weavers, you know, who was you know Hall of Fame manager, would say, listen, if, if you're not going to stay out there, we'll find somebody else that can do that. So it's changed a little bit. I, but I do think one thing that you have to be really concerned about when you make more of an investment than they did again with us, even though you still have to have, you know, 10 pitches when I p- pitched and now it's 13, is if a guy, a young pitcher, does not have a good windup, you don't want to have him throwing, you know, 95 or 100 pitches and hurting himself. So I think it's kind of a fine line, but if a guy can pitch, he has a good windup, he can repeat it. The only way you do learn to pitch when you're a little bit tired or exhausted or whatever word you want to term it is, is to actually get a chance to do that. And you're right about the fact that they don't let guys out there, but, you know, most clubs want to win ball games and they look at the numbers now we all know that the third time through an order, um, you know, the batting average usually goes up, so you're gone, and they go to the bullpen. I mean, one of Oakland's great strengths last year was their bullpen. This year, you know, at least to this point, not so much. So that needs to change for the, you know, for the A's to get back to and, and start winning baseball games. You know, one thing I've always wanted to ask you, because for many, many years, when you walked into a department store, <laughs> there was Jim Palmer. You were the spokesman for Jockey. And there you were in your underwear. Did you realize when you first agreed to that deal that it was going to be so big for your career? Well, actually, I, I went up on the Metro liner, $35 round trip to New York. Pete Rose missed his flight. They spent $5,000 to fly him in from uh, from Atlanta on a private jet. So right then, I, I I think I looked a little bit better than Pete because there were nine. <laughs> there were actually uh, there were nine. There were nine athletes in the first ad, and it was take away the uniforms and what do you have? So. You know, I did that, and the next year I did another ad where actually I, I was throwing kind of a, I don't know what they call it, some kind of, you know, slow motion thing. And uh, and then it, that was, what, 77, 78, and then 79, I didn't use anybody. And then, you know, meanwhile I had done some appearances for them and things like that. So they asked me in 1980, and I, I played for the Orioles, and we had the best winning percentage 20 years I was there. I knew that maybe I could go to New York or some other place and make a little bit more money, but... You know, you're, you're trying to raise, you know, two girls, trying to raise them. Uh, they like Baltimore. It's a you know, great place to, to, to grow up. And I knew that I, if I could stay healthy, I had a chance to win 20 games. I, I don't think I ever thought about getting to the Hall of Fame, but I, I know that the immediate goal was to stay healthy and win 20 games. And, you know, we had the type of club that maybe didn't go to the World Service every year, but we certainly were in contention. So I just tried to figure out a way. So how can I make as much money as – as I would have if I played in with the Yankees by playing with the Orioles, and underwear became uh, my vehicle. Well, I mean, uh-huh. you, 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 could, you could go into, like, I remember this one store. I grew up in San Diego. It was called Bullocks. And you'd walk in. There would be a whole section of just you. No, no, no. It's not quite that. We, you know, they didn't want to turn people off. But I, I, I was waiting for a car in Chicago, and a, and a, 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 a nice-looking guy and a 
the even nicer looking woman's walking down the sidewalk. It's on a Saturday morning, and you know I got like five minutes for the car to get there, and uh, the guy says, well, "Wait a minute, you're Jim Palmer." He said, "I'm Bill Farley. I I own or I run Union Underwear. We make 40 percent of the underwear made in this country, either private label for department stores, etc." And he said, "You know, the big one of the great mysteries." He says, "You do a great job with jockey." I said, "Well, I just work for him." He said, "No, no. One of the great mysteries in life." Because we have 40% in the market, and everybody thinks Jockey's the biggest underwear house in the United States. And I said, well, obviously you have the wrong people working for you. <laughs> so he got a laugh out of that. So, um, But, again, they, you know, they, they I, you know, I was in Sports Illustrated. I was in, I mean, all, most of the magazines. Uh, you can name it. And, again, I had company for the first two years, and then I was kind of, a, a, you know, until Bart Connor, the gymnast, came on. And, you know, then they got into women's underwear and things like that. So, it was a good run. I did a probably five or six hundred store appearances. I got to meet people throughout the country um, that love baseball. And you know, if you Bill Herman was the guy that thought this up, he's men would have liked to have done what I was able to do and be part of you know World Series teams and things like that. And 75% of uh, men's underwear is bought by women. And they test. They really. They actually took the tall guy. They tested Steve Garvey and and, and Jim Palmer, me sound like Reggie when I say Jim Palmer and me and um, you know they're talking about uh, third person uh, cakes that was my nickname but anyway they tested the two of us and they chose me because I was a little bit taller than Steve the straw that stirs the drink in the underwear world yeah, exactly <laughs> thank you so much for your hey, time well today. you're welcome well this good was, luck with the show this was awesome yeah it's a new thing in Major League Baseball and hopefully we'll all look back at this and uh, we'll remember where it all started Right here on the field oh, in Oakland. Okay, I wanted to know about that. <laughs> anyway, well, thanks, guys. Mr. Palmer, okay. thank you for your, your time. Oh, One of the pleasure. greats of all time. <laughs> thank you. Coming Take up care. next, we're going to hear from the catcher of your athletics right here on A's Cast Live. Want to add to your collection of A's memorabilia but can't make it to the Coliseum? During every weekend home series, the Oakland A's Community Fund will hold a digital silent auction through the MLB Ballpark app. You can bid on rare memorabilia items, including baseballs, jerseys, bats, game-used equipment, and autographed items. Proceeds from the silent auction benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund and its initiatives in the community. Download the app at athletics.com slash ballpark app. Playing in Hero Town? It's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Deck. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Deck, visit athletics.com slash premium today. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new half-moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or coworkers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com slash premium today. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. 
The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com slash future for more information. Looking to understand what makes the A's tick? With weekly shows with manager Bob Melvin and general manager David Forst, now you get the inside scoop into the green and gold. Download A's cast today or head to athletics.com slash podcast to get started. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shy Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com groups. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. Now, I know he was downplaying it. But I got to tell you, no one was bigger than that guy back in the day. Ask your grandmothers, ask your mothers. Jim Palmer was a sex symbol. And, yeah, he's winning World Series. The baseball process, and I'm going to go over Palmer's numbers in a second. As we will continue to tell you, our access is unbelievable. Logan Davidson right now is taking ground balls. And who's he taking ground balls with? Matt Chapman. And the process of teaching the kid how to play at the big league level starts today. That's Logan Davidson, the number one pick out of Clemson. And hitting ground balls to him, hitting fungos, is Bob Melvin. So it's always good as you have this young kid on this very special day, his first opportunity to take ground balls with a guy who's arguably the best defensive infielder in all of baseball. You know how cool that's got to be for him? And the manager of the year is the guy that's hitting them, hitting them ground balls. You can tell he's got a big arm. He's probably about, did we look it up yet? How tall is he? 6'3". Six three, because you know he's big when he stands next to Bob Mel. Because Melvin's six five, and there's a competition every day between Melvin and Matt Chapman when it comes to hitting ground balls. And Melvin's just trying to hit like the hardest ones to him. Matt Chapman just made an amazing backhand and running towards the left field stand, turns and fires to first base. Melvin just throws the fungo up in disgust that he's been defeated, <laughs> and Matt Chapman's yelling at him. So this is the stuff that we get to see that. You guys will never get to see. It's unfortunate. I wish more people got an opportunity to see batting practice. You, when you get to get in here, you get to see a little bit of the A's, and then it's a lot of the opposing team. We stayed away from how bad the Orioles are from Jim Palmer. The Orioles are just, it's, they're 21 and 50. Like, how do you, how do, you do the postgame show for a team that's, I, I, I was flipping out yesterday, team's 500. 21 and 50. So Jim Palmer's number starting in 1970, at the age of 24, he won 20 in 70, 20 in 71, 21 in 72, 22 in 73. Then in 74, he'd win 23, 76, 22, 77, 20. He led 
baseball and wins three straight years. We just had the Hall of Famer on, Jim Palmer, and you start looking at his numbers. It is un- He was talking about in a game where, oh, yeah, I threw 169 pitches in that game. Josh Fagley, what would happen in today's uh, baseball if a pitcher threw 169 pitches? That might be like a three-week vacation after that start, maybe. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, just just IL him to get a new guy so we can rest him. I mean, it's unbelievable the workload that these pitchers had years ago. And the one thing I asked him, and, of course, you, you, you're the guy that's got to help pitchers get through games, is less and less are we seeing, especially I don't even think with this start when you were in the minor leagues, it's really right now. These guys pitch so little they don't really learn how to pitch out of jams, right? It's like throw as hard as you can for five innings and, and you're out. Have did, did you see that in your minor league career, or is that something that is more new from when you were in the minors? Well, I feel like um, in the minors they're developing. Um, they've got guys they need to get on the mound that night. Like, you know, we've got four relievers they need to throw tonight, so you're going five. Um, I feel like uh, – you say not being able to pitch out of jams. I just feel like they're pretty good at pitching themselves into jams, maybe quite often. But, um, yeah, it's just it, times are changing, and, and the, the bullpens are super strong now, the, very weighted in that department. So the starters are, you know, less and less having to go deeper in games. You know, everybody wants to talk about your offense right now, and, and we will because we should. But I want to talk about your defense from the standpoint of – for you, there has to be so much studying going on into a series like this. Like you mentioned, all the guys that are coming out. We have a record number of bullpen guys coming out. That means you have to be ready for each guy that night and studying the other team's hitters. How much studying do you do? I mean, we're looking at those reports. You know, we have meetings every day, um, you know, with the starter on the lineup. Um, you know, we haven't seen these guys since April, so we had an advanced meeting. We went over every one of their hitters. Um, you know, how to pitch them left versus left versus right. Um, and, yeah, we're expected to know that. I go out there with the wristband with the notes on it, too, during the game. So um, the information is always there. It's a ton of information, but then you also have to know your pitcher, and don't you have to know what makes him tick? Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, there is quite a bit of studying going on. However, your bullpen guys are there because of their stuff, and they know how to pitch. They know what they want to do. So a lot of it. A lot of it is just pitching their game. You know, you talk about a guy like uh, Petit who comes in and he, he knows what he wants to do. He knows what pitches are effective, and he, he pitches the same pretty much every time. So uh, he knows the reports as well. He knows where to go. Um, you know, he doesn't throw in a lot, but when the report says to throw this guy in, he, he does. Um, but, you know, those guys, are they're specialized in what they do, so we throw their game. We stick to their strengths. We see more shifting now than ever before. And now we're seeing the shifting on right-handed hitters. As a catcher, when you're calling the game and you're, and you're throwing down the signs, are you thinking about way, the way you want the pitcher to throw and also what the defense is doing behind him? Um, I feel like, you know, we pitch them, you know, to the pitcher's strengths and, you know, away from some of the hitter's tendencies. And, you know, the hitter's going to hit the ball where he usually hits it. And so, you know, the scouting department does their job of we're going to shift because this is where the guy usually hits the ball. You know, it's not because we're shifted to the left, so we're going to pitch him in to make sure he hits it to the left. That's just what he does, you know, when we, you know, throw off speed down and away. He gets out front and pulls it or, you know, it's kind of, you know, our game doesn't really change. Uh, the defense shifts to accommodate, you know, 
our plan and how, how we pitch guys. And let's get to you throwing the baseball. You're having a fantastic year throwing the baseball. How are you feeling? feel good. feel great. I feel like um, that's been one of my strongest assets, uh, you know, in my career as a catcher and my strong arm and being accurate. And that's the part I think I enjoy the most, throwing guys out. And, you know, that's an out. You know, if the pitchers can give me a time and, uh, you know, the, the, the runner's not too fast and gets a good jump, uh, I can get us some free outs that way. So I enjoy that a lot. I've kind of enjoyed watching you throw the baseball and watching guys challenge you. It's a little – I mean, we got to a point where we weren't seeing anybody steal bases, right? No one was trying to steal. But it's been fun this year seeing that and seeing the success that you've had. Yeah, and that happens a lot where, you know, I'm, if I'm throwing the ball well, the guys just don't steal unless – they can, you know, maybe get off of a, a slower time from the pitcher. And, and a lot of times our pitchers, um, especially late in the game, some of our bullpen guys, it's more important for us, for them to execute their pitches than to slide step and be quick, you know, and leave stuff up in the zone. So they'll, they'll, I'll go through a stretch where no one runs unless they can for sure get it, and I'm not throwing them out, and, and then it's, it's kind of frustrating. But I, I just keep the thought in the back of my head that when guys aren't running, I'm doing my job. You know, I'm keeping them at first. They know I can throw, um, and that keeps the double plays in line, keeps guys out of scoring position. How much right now your success this year is just based on you're healthy? <laughs> a lot. A lot. I feel like um, you can't be successful if you're not in the game. And, you know, getting those consistent at-bats, getting, you know, consistent time behind the plate, you know, I'm throwing the ball well, catching well. Um, having success at the plate, um, you know, that just comes from repetitions and getting used to the time, and and you can't do that when you're hurt. And, you know, I've gone through some ups and downs. Um, I've been healthy and not played. I've been, you know, unhealthy and not played. It's it's kind of – it's been a roller coaster ride, but um, that's – staying healthy is the name of the game. The best ability, availability. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and you've had Absolutely. it this year. You're third in catchers right now in RBIs. And everybody's been praising you a lot on your offense. I want to get to your play calling and your defense because I know uh, catchers, that's the thing that means most. The the offense is really, you know, it's the icing on the cake. But talk about what's been different for you this year. I know you made an adjustment in the offseason. What, what's really led to this this uh, start for you offensively? Yeah, I mean, I, I made some minor adjustments just to kind of be in the zone easier, um, not be so rotational. And I think my swing is, you know, I, I – if you want to get into the numbers, I think, you know, my fly ball rate is up and I'm not grounding out as much. And, you know, when you get rotational and pull off pitches, anything off speed, you're just going to roll soft to the left side. And I've done that a lot in my career. But um, there's also that confidence where if I don't feel right, you know, today and I, I have some bad at bats, I can make an adjustment. I know I'm going to get another crack tomorrow. And it's it's not something I have to dwell on and, and, and try to figure out for three, four days. And then, all right, I've got three at bats to prove that, you know, I, I've got it back in sync. And then it happens to not be there, and then I got three or four more days to think about it, and so it's it's just being consistent and and getting a feel for the game, as well as, as seeing a lot more pitches. You know, I'm seeing you know a lot of sliders, so it's easier for me to kind of take those down and away when I see you know 30 a week instead of four. So um, you know anybody's going to get better with more playing time, and I feel like uh, I've had some success this year. Yeah, sometimes you just really need that shot, and people just don't understand. It's like like you play on Monday, and now you don't come back and play till Friday. I mean, that that this game is too hard 
to really do that and to have great success. And obviously with you being healthy and getting off to a hot start, you've earned everything you've gotten this year. And I think one of the one of the things that's got to be really good for you and special is that the man that's running this ball club is a catcher too in Bob Melvin. So there has to be that special relationship there. Yeah, he's got a great understanding of what's going on and, and what it takes to be back there day in and day out. And, you know, he's asking, you know, how are you feeling, Do, you know, do you want to go the day game or the night game, that kind of stuff, like how you feel? And, like, he, he understands the grind and, and the toll that takes on the body. So um, as well as, you know, in years past when I was the backup, he know you know, he was the backup sometime, and um, he knows, hey, it's tough to hit like that, you know, when you're going in having good at bats and grinding it out, you know, just keep, keep pressing. So um, nobody better to play for. Let's end on this. The bullpen numbers from last year to this year dramatically different. But I'm trying to tell everybody on the post-game show, Trinan's still throwing the same stuff. Trevino's still throwing the same. Like, like the velocity and the movement and that stuff. Is, is there a difference in what you've seen from the back of the bullpen, or is their stuff pretty much still the same? Well, I mean, you know, just like hitters, you know, you can still swing as hard as you're normally swinging, but something out of, you know, a little thing, little tick here, little tick there that's off can change, you know, the way y your pitches play. And I feel like, um, you know, for – I feel like Lou Trevino is a, a hot topic right now, and, and you know, he can tell you right now that his fastball isn't playing the way it normally does. The velocity is there, but some of the, you know, some of the ride deception, um, you know, his cutter, it's just as hard as it normally is, but the shape is a little different. And sometimes that, you know, his pitches complement each other. You know, his cutter looks like his fastball the whole way and then takes off. Normally, you know, it, it has a little different shape right now. And I think just like anyone else on the field, you know, you can go into these ups and downs, these slumps where you're kind of – you're just a tick off mechanically, and it can change the way your stuff plays. So um, that's baseball, and I feel like none of us are, are worried about those guys. They're our horses. They've been our horses. Um, we feel confident when they're on the field every time, and, and I know they're going through some ups and downs, but um, that, that'll pass soon. We appreciate you stopping by. It's great to have guys coming right from the batting cage. This is really cool, as, uh, and it's, a, it's an experience that baseball fans have never had before. So we appreciate the time. Keep doing what you're doing because defensively, offensively, you've been fantastic this year. We've been rooting for you. And help this team get on that hot start we normally see the A's get on in June. It's about that time, I think. It's about that time. It is. It starts tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. It sure does. <laughs> Josh Fegger, the catcher for your Oakland Athletics. we got more coming up right here on A's Cast Live. Want to give back to the community along with some of your favorite A's players and front office staff? Through the A's volunteer team, fans can join us in giving back to Oakland and the East Bay. Through your time and energy, fans can earn rewards based on the number of hours spent volunteering. To get started, visit athletics.com community. That's athletics.com community. Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new half-moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or coworkers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com slash premium today. 
Want to take home half of the 50-50 pot? This season, you'll have even more opportunities to test out your luck. The Oakland A's Community Fund will host a 50-50 raffle at every home game in 2019. Tickets are sold from gates opening through the last out of the sixth inning, from raffle sellers, or at the kiosk at Section 217. The winner will be announced in-game and will receive 50% of the jackpot, with the remainder benefiting the Oakland A's Community Fund. Learn more at athletics.com raffle. From sweet plans to single-game suites, there's nothing like premium hospitality and athletics baseball. New for the 2019 season, food and beverages are now included in all suites, plus options to create a three-game suite plan. Plus, select plans also include an A's Access membership, allowing you to attend every regular season home game. To learn more about A's suites, visit athletics.com suites. That's athletics.com suites. If you're a baseball fan and a parent, you've probably had to explain to your kid that a 2-2 count isn't something a ballerina wears. As a parent or even a sibling, you may have also had to explain that a makeup game doesn't involve lipstick or mascara. But as a parent and an A's fan, we do hope you know about our new A's stomping ground. This awesome space is open and waiting for you. From awesome new games for kids to interactive activities, the A's Stomping Ground is right for you and your family. So the next time the kids want to know what a sandwich pick is or who got that 2-2 pitch, you will know it's time to go to a ball game and visit the A's Stomping Ground, a free area in right field for kids and families. Visit athletics.com slash stomping ground to learn today. That's athletics.com slash stomping ground. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Live from the field here at the Coliseum. What a day we've had so far today. The Hall of Famer, Jim Palmer, stopped by for 15 minutes. We were talking to the Hall of Famer. We just had Josh Begley on. And now joining me here for probably about, about 30 or so minutes, my good friend Roxy Bernstein, who will be on the call tonight. Of course, you... He's on ESPN, he's on the Pac-12 network, he's on the Touchdown Radio Network, you name it. He's working there, the Cal Bear, Roxy Bernstein. What's up, Roxy? Hi, Uncle Townie. How are you? You know, something that's been really fun to watch is Matt Chapman out there working with Logan Davidson, the number one pick who signed, and he's here working out. And then it was just Marcus Simeon with him out there at shortstop as he's getting his first opportunity, and he's about to have what I think is one of the most nerve-wracking things you'll ever see is your first BP. Everybody, see, everybody in the organization is behind the cage. There's going to be cameras everywhere. It's not a normal BP. This is a very – this is big-time pressure. I mean, the first thing that I notice, Chris, he's bigger than I thought. Like, he's, he's tall, and I see the comp to Corey Seegers, one of the names that people have thrown out there with him. Just because he he's a bigger, taller guy, and he's going to fill out right now. Look, he's 21 years old, just finished playing his college ball at Clemson. But the height, like I was looking him out there, and like he's tall, and you can see how rangy he can be. And I know he's going to get ready to take some swings here, but he he looks smooth in the field, and you know all his representatives and family are here. Scott Boris is his representative, and we'll get to see it, but. You can see why, just watching him take ground balls in the field, 
why a lot of people thought so highly of him. When you're shortstop that big, it's a pretty good uh, starting point for the A's when they see him out there. And a switch hitter with power. Did you call any of his games? I did not have Clemson uh, recently. The last time I had Clemson, boy. Um, I think Stevie Whitaker, who's playing for the Orioles, was at Clemson. I had them in a regional at Cal State Fullerton. I want to say it was 2014 or 15. Might have been 2015 when Clemson came out west for regional Fullerton. So that's when I had them. Um an original at Arizona State and Fullerton went to the regional final and Fullerton won it. And that was a Fullerton team. Matt Chapman was I, I Matt wasn't there at the time. It was right after Matt Chapman. Well, you know, hey, you know his build, I say his build is more like Steven Piscotti. Yeah, I do see that. Just because the, he's got the shoulders that kind of broaden out for you and the tall frame that he's working with. But he'll fill out and and that's the one thing that people have talked about Corey Seager with the Dodgers. Chris, is at some point he may position himself out of shortstop because he may get too big to, to play, stay at shortstop. And physically, he may at some point move over to third base just because of his frame. And we'll see how Davidson progresses. Look, we're still in all likelihood, what, two or three years away from seeing him here, so it's going to be a while. But... It's a good starting point, and the A's have gotten him signed. He'll go out on an assignment, and we'll see how he progresses this year. But it's always encouraging when the number one guy comes through, and this is an exciting day, for I know, for Eric Kubota, the A's director of scouting, and David Forrest. But at the same time, as you pointed out, nerve-wracking for him considering all the eyes are going to be on him, and he's going to take BP here momentarily, and we'll see how he swings the bat. And the position of shortstop reminds me in the draft – of the position of tight end. Like Bill Parcells always wanted to take a tight end because Parcells felt that, okay, he can play tight end. We can beef him up to a lineman or a defensive end or potentially linebacker. It's a very versatile build. And I think the same thing with shortstop, even though he's bigger than your regular shortstop, but usually shortstops are the type of athletes that you can move them all around the diamond. And I think one of the great example is what we have here with Chad Pender. Chad Pender is a middle infielder. He's a shortstop. You can put him in left. You can put him right. You can put him in center. You can put him in first, third. I mean, this kid has that kind of build. And Matt Chapman was a shortstop. And, you know, in high school, that combination of him and Nolan Arenado on the left side of the infield uh, was pretty good. And then when Arenado left and signed with the Rockies, uh, Matt was two years behind, slid over to short, and even went to Fullerton as a shortstop. But then they moved him to third base out of necessity, and he stayed there ever since. But he's a guy that can play that position. But we're seeing the bigger shortstops who have the range, guys like a Corey Seager, for example. Uh, so it's not always the, the small athletic guy. And Marcus Simeon has some strength to him, has some size to him, not necessarily the height. And Marcus is, what, six feet, six one? Uh, but he's got the strong build to him, and we're seeing more the athletic, rangy shortstops for example, you had Mark Kreidler on the show recently. His son Ryan was a fourth-round draft pick by the Detroit Tigers out of UCLA. He's a big, rangy shortstop, similar to Davidson, where Ryan Kreidler's about six foot four. He's a big kid, and he's going to play shortstop. He's got a plus-plus arm, and we're seeing more and more of that now where it's not necessarily just the 5'10", 5'11", quick athletic guy, even the big twitchy guys. And you look across the bay, Brandon Crawford's not a small guy. And we're seeing Manny Machado is not a small guy. When he was playing shortstop, 
for the Orioles. And, and A-Rod, when he was a shortstop, ah, of course. Cal Ripken. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, look at Machado. I mean, that is, that is the ultimate build. Like, we're talking with this kid, Machado. I mean, you really can put Machado anywhere on the diamond. A-Rod was the same way. Jeter wasn't a small guy. No. He is, Derek Jeter's, what, about 6'2", would you say? Yeah, I mean, he's not a small we're, We were so used to guys being 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, you know, Hanley Ramirez wasn't a small guy. And keep in mind, before Miguel Cabrera ate himself out of even a corner infield spot, he came up as a shortstop Miggy? with the Marlins. He was a shortstop coming up, but they had Alex Gonzalez at short at the time, had to find a spot for him. They had Mike Lowell at third base. So Cabrera's playing in the outfield his first couple of years in the major leagues before Mike Lowell was traded to Boston, and then they moved Miggy to third base. You really have arguably the greatest Miggy story of all time. I do. I do. When should we get to I, that? I, I love that man. He is a terrific guy. By the way, I have his jersey hanging in my uh, man cave at home. Do you really? Yeah, the Marlins jersey? That he gave to me autographed, yeah. yeah. Well, it was sad seeing him in Detroit. It, it's, it's unfortunate. Now dealing with the knee issues that he is and – with the weight he's been carrying. But he's as happy and fun-loving a guy as there is. And I, I honestly, I just loved being around him when he was when I was with the Marlins every day. And even when I see him now with the Tigers, comes up, big hug, ask about my family and how the kids are doing. And because he had kids in the nursery in, in Miami when my daughter was there. So he, he's a terrific guy. I know he had some transgressions off the field. But it's great to see that he's straightened out his life in terms of off the field, and he's really grown up. And I'm happy for him. And this is a guy that you could tell immediately he, this was a Hall of Famer in the making. Well, I, and, and I think about what happened with Miggy, and he straightens out his life. But the thing about the thing that's so tough with these guys is the fact that they're signing these long-term contracts, and these contracts are just you know they're going to be bad in the end. And we're seeing Albert Pujols, we're seeing with Big Al. They're great players, but you don't age when you're 38, 39, 40, and you're making $30 million a year, and you've lost what you got, and now you're not healthy. It's just a bad situation for everybody. And I think that's why people were hesitant. to. You know, with, that's what Dallas Keuchel wanted and why people shied away from giving Dallas Keuchel a long contract and Craig Kimbrell as well, where we're seeing some reluctance with the more veteran players, for example, with the younger players, we're seeing organizations, for example, the Rockies buying out arbitration years on guys like Nolan Arenado. They did it with Charlie Blackman. And so it's with the younger players that we're seeing the longer contracts because you feel you can get more out of them, where the more veteran players, they, they found it tough to get those kind of deals. Well, I'm hearing we may be getting Libby Schaff, the mayor Ooh. of Oakland, coming up here. So... We are going to pause for a second and uh, regroup here, and maybe we're going to see Libby Schaff, the mayor of Oakland, and see how she feels about where we are right now. She wants to see the number one draft pick. To see the Warriors are leaving her town, and then also Howard Terminal. That's all coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Looking to understand what makes the A's tick? With weekly shows with manager Bob Melvin and general manager David Forst, now you get the inside scoop into the green and gold. Download A's Cast today or head to athletics.com slash podcast to get started. Looking to take A's Cast on the road with you on your next jog or road trip? Head over to athletics.com slash podcasts and you can download episodes of Taking Effect, Green and Gold History, A Season on the Road, and more. Visit athletics.com slash podcasts today. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 
15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? The Cornerstone gives your group a unique happy hour experience. The area treats up to 40 to 50 guests with a package that includes food and beverage along with an intimate pregame experience. Plus, the experience comes with an awesome seating option that we can build to fit your needs. To learn more about the Cornerstone and other unique group experiences, visit athletics.com groups. Athletics.com groups. Playing in Hero Town, it's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Deck. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Deck, visit athletics.com premium today. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shibe Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com groups. Hey kids, have you ever wanted to run the bases like your favorite A's player? Well, here's your chance. Children ages 14 and under can come onto the field following most Sunday home games and race around the bases with A's mascot Stopper there to cheer them on. Make sure to pack your running shoes so you can show off your speed. Race Around the Bases is brought to you by the Oakland A's Community Fund. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. One and miss, and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Tony Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. What a day here at the ballpark. You never know what you're going to get. I think we're not only going to get the number one pick, Logan Davidson, on from Clemson. We're also going to get his agent, Scott Boris. Scott Boris, the man has shaped Major League Baseball in so many ways. He's going to join us. Libby Schaff, the mayor of Oakland, is going to be here in moments. It's a star-studded Monday. No idea that this was all going to go down on game one for the Orioles. But uh, that's, a, that's a heck of a day, Commander Cody. I, I have to commend you. Jim Palmer, Josh Fegley, the mayor, uh, Scott Boris, the number one pick. It really doesn't get any better than that. How, how are you going to sleep on Scott Emerson and our good friend Roxy Bernstein? And, uh, Scott Emerson's going to be here soon as he'll be here a little bit later. And we 
welcome the mayor of Oakland, Libby Schaaf, who joins us here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. It's an honor to have you on our program. Thank you so much for stopping by. We know what a big A's fan you you are. Yes, no, it is so exciting to be down here on the field. And I'm here, of course, for another reason tonight. It's Oakland Promise Night at the A's game. Yes, you're throwing out the first pitch, too. Are you, you got the arm ready to go? Um, let me just tell you, I am a better mayor than pitcher. <laughs> Thank God. Well, I know you're good people because we have a mutual friend, Sean Carroll, who grew up with you. Absolutely. And, and uh, I've talked a lot finding out about you through Sean. So uh, I, I know a lot of the stuff that you've done, some great stuff before you even were mayor. But let's talk about Oakland well, Thank Promise. God he's not telling you all the stories <laughs> from high school, yeah. our Skyline High School days. Tell us exactly what Oakland Promise is and why it means so much to you. Well, listen, Oakland Promise is a cradle-to-career initiative where we are wrapping ourselves around Oakland students to make sure that they can go to and through four-year college, two-year college, or trade school. We want our kids to succeed, and we want them to know that an entire community is behind them from the day they're born, from the day they start kindergarten. And the Oakland A's have been such a great partner for the Oakland Promise. And I think about education. My wife's a teacher in Milpitas, and so you, you see the struggles. And now, you know, for us, think about what college costs for us and what it costs now. It's insane. It is insane, and it's not just tuition. It's the cost of housing and food and the whole shebang. And that's one thing that's great about Oakland Promise. The financial assistance we provide is not just for tuition. It's for your books. It's for your living expenses. And I want you to know that the A's have been great. They have been incentivizing, for example, seniors to fill out the FAFSA. That's the form to get your financial aid from the state and federal government. We want every student to know that this is an option for them, and the A's have been great partners. So if you're a senior in Oakland, you need to sign up for this right now. Absolutely. And listen, it's not just for high school students. We give every kindergartner a $100 scholarship during their kindergarten wow. year. We do matched. If parents want to open a savings account, a college savings account, we will contribute $50 to reward that. We also are providing future centers for our middle schoolers and high schoolers to kind of demystify the whole college thing. And we even are starting with some of our babies. Uh, we are uh, have a pilot with, with parents from the moment their child is born, they get a $500 college savings account. They get financial coaching because we want them to see every child as college material from the moment they're born. That's what championship is about, right? Do you, do you think this is something that could be adopted by all towns around the cross of, across America? You know, I can tell you right now that at least 20 cities across America are trying to replicate the Oakland Promise. We've been featured by Harvard, by Stanford. Uh, Jill Biden, the, the second lady of America, has um, highlighted our Promise program here in Oakland because we start earlier and we go later. We don't just give a scholarship. We actually provide a mentor to help those kids get to and through college. It's it's really the whole nine yards, and that's what's so exciting because that's how we do it in Oakland. Exactly. We don't do anything halfway. So you got to do it all. You think about how the A's have been the first in so many different things in baseball. What you What you're seeing right here, right now we're the only team in Major League Baseball that's doing this. We are the guinea pig for all 30 teams. So everywhere you look in Oakland, whether it's Oakland or it's the Oakland A's, there's always a first. That is right. And you know what? In Oakland, we always represent. 
We are change makers. We are radicals. We always want to do things first and best. The A's are no exception. The Oakland Promise is no exception. It is definitely a place where we are bigger and better, and we are unafraid to do things that are super ambitious, like building a new ballpark at Howard Terminal. Hashtag rooted in Oakland, and <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to get your opinion on this because I think that the last Warriors game really finally woke people up that they are leaving. They're going to be San Francisco's team now. And, but that's why it means so much to get this new ballpark that you want to get done down at Howard Terminal for your race. Oh, my gosh. I have had this vision since when I was campaigning for mayor six years ago. Like, this has been my dream. As an Oakland girl, I always say, you know, I grew up, we never had blueberry muffins. We only had Vita blueberry muffins <laughs> in my house. So, um, yes, it is a bold vision. It's very exciting. I knew from the day I became the mayor that I was gonna be saying goodbye to the Warriors, but I was fighting to keep my A's rooted in Oakland. And now we've got alignment. We've got ownership and management that are all fired up about this vision of a waterfront ballpark with great amenities, great activity, people walking to the game, and actually some beautiful development right here in East Oakland to actually memorialize this historic field all the great moments in sports history that have happened here, but in a way that actually is gonna serve East Oakland residents a lot more than this facility even does now. So I you know, I, I think about it, because I've been doing this a long time, before you were even mayor, and, and for years I've seen renderings, I've heard about different towns, I've seen everything. Really for the first time, I'm telling people, Dave Cavill is getting it done. He's getting the votes. He's in Sacramento. He's everywhere. He, the two of you, the way you're making this happen, this is really real. You know, I sometimes feel like I have a clone because I'm everywhere at the same time. I think Dave has two clones. That man is amazing. Um, but we are so aligned, and it is getting done. And it's no easy feat to develop on the waterfront. We know it's an incredible um, asset, it's fragile, it's it's important to our environment, but the A's are doing everything right. They really are listening to their community. They have approached this with a level of humility that is maybe a little unique in the professional sports world and just uh, an attitude that we don't know the meaning of no. It does not exist in our vocabulary. This and, is happening. And what will that mean for your town, Jack London Square, to have a ballpark there and just so vibrant? Well, it's just gonna be exciting because people can get there in so many ways besides driving a car. Um, it's gonna have good BART access, the ferry, the train. We're gonna have the gondola. I love the gondola. Just think of all the first kisses that are gonna happen <laughs> in that gondola. People are gonna be walking there, and yes, if you need to drive, you can still get there, but it's gonna be surrounded by so much vitality. We already have great stuff at Jack London Square. West Oakland is happening, and it's gonna be just a model for environmental stewardship. That is also really exciting. One more time, how can everybody get more information on Oakland Promise? Okay, Oakland Promise. Go to oaklandpromise.org, oaklandpromise.org and sign up to be a champion. We show our kids every year the list of individuals who have simply signed their name to say, I believe in you, I believe every kid in Oakland should go to college and we as a community should support them. Sign up as a champion at oaklandpromise.org and then 
there are some other ways you can get involved beyond that as well. And coming onto the field, you talked about the clone, Dave Cavill coming onto the field. So it's a, it's a jam-packed day here. I just thought this was going to be a Monday against the Orioles. Who knew we would have all this going on today? Well, you're doing a heck of a job, and we, as A's fans, have always appreciated your support, your love for this franchise, knowing that we, we got to do everything we can to get a new ballpark for this great franchise. Oh, yeah, no, the head of MLB will tell you, uh, Rob Manfred, like I, I stalked him the moment I got elected because I knew that this town and this team belong together forever and always. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, as my late mother used to say. So keep doing it and keep charging for us. We're very thankful. And get that arm ready to go. All right. Get that arm. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, it's better at signing legislation than uh, throwing a ball. But I will do my best for the kids. Thank you very much. We really appreciate Thank the you. time. Thank you. It's really a pleasure. The mayor of Oakland, Libby Schaff, is uh, we're trying to get things done here in Oakland and get a new ballpark. So we can sign the clients of Scott Boris to long-term deals. He's the super agent. The man has changed the game over the years, and he's joining us now because a special day as your client was taking BP. And I got to think for you as an agent, when guys sign with you, it's about their careers, and you help them through their careers. It's kind of like a proud papa for you. Well, certainly it's something for me that when you've known him since high school and, and you hope that he would – go to college and in this case Logan got his degree in three years achieved that which is one of his goals and then to improve as a player be a switch hitter and you know and become the player he's become and become a first round draft pick it's a tall order it's a tall order and so a lot of credit to his father Mark who's a big leaguer and uh, mother Linda they really did a lot of things because most athletes do not take the course that Logan's taken being so disciplined academically and, and athletically to get where he's at. So I, I really think that the A's got a great talent, but they also got a, a person and a, and a learning player, which really fits well with the model of the type of players they choose. Yeah, it's the modern-day organizations. I know we're all about a lot of data out there, but you want character in that clubhouse. Character wins championships, and that's something that, that we have seen with him. And it's great to see his family and his sister and his girlfriend as just the, the start of everything. One thing that really caught our eye, he's taller than I thought he was going to be. So he's got some big shoulders for his shortstop. Yeah, the comparison was Corey, uh, one of our other clients, Corey Seeger, who's also around 6'3", 6'4". And he's got leverage and athleticism and can really move around the diamond. And uh, so he is uh, a guy that he's going to get stronger. And uh, as you can see, the ball, he hit a few balls out here. Um, you know, he's going to be a, a very, very good offensive shortstop. And I, uh, I had Matt go over and throw next to him. And when you get next to the Chapman arm, you got to be cautious. But <laughs> I, I thought Logan stood up pretty nicely against him, you know, throwing the ball across the infield. So we're all interested in Matt Chapman, your client, because you know we want him here for his entire career. We want him to be the face of the franchise. We want him leading the charge into the new ballpark. Have you had discussions with Billy and David about a, a potential contract extension for Matt? You know, I, I think when you have Matt in an organization, we always do. We listen, obviously, because that's what Matt's instructed me to do because um, I work for Matt and, and, and in the process of the ownership and the Fisher family and and uh, and Billy and David, obviously, we sit down and talk about it. I think the Oakland the Oakland franchise is one that's it's 
I think being from Northern California, you can explain to your clients a lot about where, where we're going here. And this is really going to be a, an excellent base for a major league franchise because uh, we're going to see this Bay Area grow from 9, 10 million people to 13, 14. We're going to see the transition of the city of Oakland. Uh, you know, where you're going to see a lot of people that are in the workforce in the 30s and 40s, the, the tech world, and corporate uh, dynamic. We're going to we're going to see major changes in this area, and coupled with that is the future of Major League Baseball because I think Major League Baseball is going to have a you just have a market in Japan and Korea that is almost an additional you know 180 million people. So you may see as many as five franchises, and then you're going to have this time zone. You're going to have a a trans-Pacific uh, entity to our game. Um, so I, I think we're uh, to have franchises in these areas grow up to be what they should be, and that is major components of the league. Um, I think Oakland has all that, and that definition and that evolution, I think this ownership has a vision for, uh, beginning with the stadium. And once players see that that actually is going to happen and that this becomes a destination to stay, uh, then the, the culture of what players think of Oakland is not a three or four year stay, but maybe a career dynamic. Uh, once that is something that is realized and believed uh, with the definition of a base and an ownership uh, commitment to do all that, I think then you're gonna see players look at this area and and this franchise very differently than they did in the past yeah because i know doing the post game they want this kid signed because this fan base absolutely loves him i, wa I want to get in with you about since the world series of last year when the red sox won to where we are today i i, I stopped keeping track but it's like 38 39 extensions instead of guys going to free agency we've seen a record number of extensions why do you think we're seeing that with with this modern day player well i think one of the things that uh, in 2008, we had 51 players that were qualifiers, had 500 plate appearances that were 30 and above. In 2018, we have the same number. The game is not getting younger because we need veteran players to play. They have to be good veteran players. And the number of them, obviously, there's only 50 or so every decade that can play with that age. Now, what there is less of, there's a lot of less of part-time players that are 30 and under playing. But the level of young players and the level of contracts, this may be a surprise because people don't know it, but it hasn't changed. You can go back 10 years ago, and I can give you extensions for close to 15 or 20 great young players. Ken Griffey Jr. signed early. You can, you can go right down the list. And, and so the truth of it is it's more publicized when you're talking about, about Acuna. And uh, <laughs> I'm you almost got you almost got hit by the mayor. <laughs> uh, I, I was a, I was a 290 hitter, but I made a lot of errors. It worried me. <laughs> you were a, you, you were a Padre farmhand, right? Uh, I actually played for the Cubs and the Cardinals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so when you're when you're uh, uh, we have the mayor tossing balls. I yes. Okay. I better tell her that I'm a Northern California resident. I don't know. <laughs> but the uh, we uh, we've got a uh, uh, a dynamic in the game where we tend to focus on the young players but frankly when you look at the winning franchises it's really about a combination of doing three things the trilogy you have to do it in the draft and you have to do it uh, in trades and you have to do it in free agency when you go to the Cubs or the Astros and that people talk about it, Cubs spent 450 to 500 million dollars in free agent players you know Hayward Lester Lackey you know Zobrist you can go down that granted they had a great draft with Bryant, Almora, Baez, 
and then they made trades with Addison Russell here and um, you know Rizzo to build their team and you can go and tear every team down so to get players in free agency and to get and to get them to stay here and also to sign your draft picks you've got to have a, a platform a definition that says we've got to have a commitment to do all those things if we want to have a, mi a winning baseball team in today's culture. You know, we have more data than ever before, and we have a lot of this track, man, and Rapsado and the high-tech cameras. Do you ever talk with your players about it? Because sometimes this may not be what's best for your client. You always want to have what's best for your client. Well, I, I, I love information. The old story is, is that information is always helpful. The question is, with each individual player, what weight do you put on the information with that player? And so you may have a player that says, oh, you know, my spin rate goes way up when I do this, this, and this. But the reality of it is he then loses his angle on his fastball when his spin rate goes up. And then when he does that, he's not pitching how he used to pitch to get himself to the big leagues. And then he's lost the way that he's pitched by an adjustment that increases his spin rate, which they're happy about, but his pitchability has been lost. So in the melding of modern-day technology, metrics, and evaluation, you have to also include psychology, player history, and also a performance gradient where his ability to do what he needs to do his way. Because some players have deception, and that deception has nothing to do with the spin rate. So consequently, if he increases his spin rate and loses his deception, you may have a... Uh, an easier look at the baseball with a greater spin rate, but then the hitter has more time because he sees it earlier. So all these things have to be graded into how you look at each component. And, and certainly more information is great. And um, I don't think the mayor understands the concept that- <laughs> I'm one, gonna protect you. Know, you. <laughs> that that, uh, that uh, she is a wonderful politician and, and can't throw a lick. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so when you, uh, um, I, I don't know if she wants our evaluation, but the, let's move you over yeah, here. Let's the, move you over here. There we go. Okay. So you know, when we talk about uh, looking at the human brain. Yeah. Is that the is that the next wave of dealing with players? Is neurological and seeing how they tick. You know, when you work with players every day, and you get phone calls from superstars. And they go, I'm lost. And I always tell them, I'm not going to talk to you about your swing. That's for your coaches. You're there every day. But the psychology of what they do, and you're talking to them about how they prepare themselves mentally. Like, what are you, what are you looking at? Your, your problem is your selection, not your swing. So what are you thinking pre-pitch? Well, if I'm thinking about what he may do or he may not do, um, you know, excuse me, you have a family, you may, you better watch out over here, the mayor's family. <laughs> but uh, but the, the, the idea of it is that there's a whole psychological component that on elite players, great major leaguers, that has a monstrous impact, which is not graded in the algorithm of war, of consistency, and and what we're trying to do. All those things are, are a function of a, uh, a process that, a wider range for evaluation and the true value of players has to include. I, I have a lot of teams now that are bringing young players to the big leagues. When you have three young players in the big leagues who are trying to play every day, instead of having a veteran there who's used to playing two or three days a week and he talks to the young players and helps them, all of a sudden the locker room's different, everything's different. So you really got to watch what you do as far as talent development, the psychology of players, your locker room and everything. And that's why I think a lot of these 
uh, the, that what we're going to see in the future is weights put on the value of metrics and more weight put on the psychology of it because frankly uh, all the modern technology is not doing a lot of things that they thought it would do it's been helpful but the truth of the matter is is that it has to be integrated in a way where we probably need to look at other factors about players as much or more as we do the technical factors of their performance. Hey, it's an absolute honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate Chris, it. Chris, great. I'm glad I survived. And, yeah, you survived. <laughs> <laughs> the great Scott Boros. And now joining us, he's the number one pick for your Oakland Athletics. Out of Clemson, Logan Davidson. I'm Chris Townsend. I'm the guy that's been the A's guy for many years. And for all these years, all these players, I'm always their first interview. So welcome to A's Cast Live. And uh, today, a special day for not only you, but for your family. Oh, absolutely. It's been an honor to be here. And I, you know, watching you in the press conference, I mean, this is something that you dream about, right? Your first time being in a big league uniform in a big league stadium. And I talked about the pressure where you got all these people. It's not a normal BP. You got all the, what was that like taking BP with all the cameras on you? Oh, man. I mean, you get used to the cameras, honestly. It's a little different trying to get used to the BP thrower and stuff like that. It's definitely a little nerve wracking. But once you get a feel for it, you just go from there. It's fine. So when you think about the transition from college to now, how excited are you just because you guys had a phenomenal year, obviously, Clemson. You, you didn't get to where you wanted to go. But now you got to focus on being a big leader. How, how much do you just want to just get out there and start playing pro ball? I mean, you said it. That's what it is. I mean, I want to get out there and, you know, continue to get better every day. That's what it's all about, you know, getting opportunities. Uh, when you get those opportunities, making the most of them. I'm excited to get started. I'm going out to Vermont to get started, so that's uh, looking forward to that. I think they already started their season, but uh, I'll be out there uh, real soon. So It's probably one of those things the minute you get drafted and Clemson's out, you're like, I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing else to do. No more sitting around. <laughs> Let's get going, you know. So when you think about your size, you're a tall shortstop, and we didn't realize you were going to be this tall. And seeing you, the range that you have, talk about your game. We'll get to the offense. Talk about your game defensively. Uh, I mean, you already touched on it, kind of a bigger body shortstop. So the main thing i got to focus on is footwork. Um, you know, I've been, I haven't been on the dirt in a while, you know, obviously since we got turf and stuff like that. But uh, even uh, Marcus said something to me, you know, footwork's a little slow right now. So i got to get back on the dirt and uh, get that get that rolling. But that's the key for me is uh, having good footwork and uh, moving through the ball. As a, as a taller guy, you got to stay low. And, uh, you know, that plays, as footwork plays into the arm throws are good. And I saw you out there with Matt Chapman, who's also a Boris mm -hmm. Klein, who's arguably the best defensive third baseman if not infielder in all of baseball marcus was up for a gold glove last year chapman was the platinum glove mm -hmm. what was it like talking with those two guys who are two of the best in baseball yeah that was definitely pretty cool uh, i was trying to learn from them you know asking them questions and stuff you know what their routines are like on a, on a game day um pretty cool stuff you know to listen to them and, and what they like to do obviously they play every day so they gotta you know keep their bodies in check they can't you know, overdo stuff sometimes in college ball we like to, we like to do a lot more than we need to um, but we're also not playing as much as them, but they got to save their body sometimes. So uh, they have a good, they have a good uh, short routine and what they what they know they need to do in order to you know get ready for the game. So switch hitter pops from both sides of the plate. You said earlier you like to play with a flare. You know a lot of switch hitters we don't see have tremendous power, but talk about when your power first started to come to you. Uh, probably senior year of high school. I mean from junior to senior is my biggest jump. Um, I didn't really. No, I don't think anyone really saw it coming. I mean, I, hit, I only hit nine, which is not that phenomenal, you know, in high school, but it's it's a decent amount. And then uh, just kind of continue to transfer into college, um, you know, freshman season, and then sophomore just kept getting more and more, and just like, you know, consistent hard contact is what you're looking for because you don't you don't have to try to hit it out. You just kind of it'll carry if you make make good contact with it. 
So the A's have talked about they've been looking at you since you were in high school. Did you know you've been on their radar for this long? Uh, not particularly. I mean, I, I didn't really know for sure. I mean, not until, you know, they, they called my name, which is, you know, a pretty cool moment for me and my family. I was thinking about this. There's something about the draft and for college baseball at the time. It's got to be pretty nerve-wracking for all you guys. Is You've got a goal to win a national championship, but yet you guys are getting drafted and you're finding out during games that you've been drafted. And it's what is that like when you got to focus on trying to win with Clemson, but yet you know you're getting drafted? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Clemson's the main focus. You know, that's what it is. You, you gotta, you gotta do what you can to help your team win. That's what it's all about. Um, but you know, as soon as we kind of lost out of the regional, unfortunately, didn't make it as far as we wanted to. Um, you know, we were, we were on a bus ride back for you know almost the entire day on draft day, and uh, I just learned to kind of figure out the answer. I don't know when people ask me <laughs> stuff because I don't know. Uh, there's too many variables. You can't try to predict anything in in baseball. Um, so I was just, you know, I was just getting, didn't really know what to expect going in. I mean. Uh, I didn't know where I was going, obviously. You have no, no clue. And just being on the bus all day, you don't really talk to anybody or anything. Um, but, I mean, it worked out it worked out great. You know, I'm here in Oakland today, and, and yesterday has been a pretty awesome experience for me. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, you're in the Bay Area, one of the great parts of the country. And, and you said in your press conference, you know about the A's, and a lot of young players know about the A's because of the movie in the book Moneyball. That's right. That's right. Yep. I've seen the movie. Great movie. So when I think about Oakland – you know, there's a lot of Clemson's guys coming to Oakland after the NFL is, draft and you're coming around. I mean, there's a, Clemson will be well represented here in the Bay Area for the next few years. They will for sure. Something about these Clemson boys they like. When you start projecting, I know they asked you in the press conference, it's very tough when someone says, hey, when are you going to be the big leagues? I mean, but you have an idea as a college player, far different from a high school player, you want to get there pretty fast. So when you start thinking – do you, do you have an idea? I'm not going to even ask what that number, that amount of years, but yeah. do you have an idea? I mean, years-wise, I have no idea. I'm just, think, I'm just thinking, I mean, I'm grateful to be in an organization that allows people to have great opportunities and to continue to get opportunities and, you know, just make the most of them, like I said earlier, as I get them, you know, just make sure I keep, my, keep preparing and uh, keep putting in my hard work and be ready for those. Your dad was in the big leagues. How much do you think that's going to help you? A lot. I mean, I learned a lot from him. I mean, I don't even know where to start. I mean, he started me off switch hitting when I was three years old because he knew kind of the struggles of hitting the right on right slider or whatever it is. Um, so, I mean, I, I owe a lot to him and my family. I'm very thankful for them. You know, having them out here today and yesterday has been a blessing. It's been awesome for me. So, if you started at three, but you're a natural right-handed when you were a little kid? I've always thrown right-handed. I've started switching since I was three because he knew <laughs> he, he knew what to expect. So I can thank him for that. I mean, growing up, you're, you're hitting mostly from the left side because everybody's a right-handed thrower. But until you get to college ball, then it kind of bounces out. I think sophomore year actually got you know 20 or 20 some more at bats from the right side, which is the first year since I've you know been switch hitting that I've gotten more from the right side, but definitely bounced out. And one of the difficult balances for a switch hitter is maintaining both swings. Tough. Tough. So when you look at maintaining both, are both your swings similar? Are they different? And how do you maintain both swings? They're, I'd say they're, they're similar in their ways, but they're definitely not the same swing. Um, I'm a right-hand dominant because I'm a right-hand thrower. So I like to, you know, it's, I get to the ball probably quicker from, from the right side just because of that top hand. Um, from the left side, sometimes I have a tendency to kind of dip because that right hand still dominant is kind of pulling through. Um, so I get, do a lot of one-hand stuff to kind of balance that out. Um, as far as maintaining goes, <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, sometimes they're both feeling great, and that's kind of rare. Um, but for me, it's more when I, where I'm getting my at-bats from. If I'm getting more at-bats from one side of the plate, I'm probably more comfortable from there. Which side do you have more power from? I'd say raw power, probably right-handed. Now, 
Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> it's pretty close. It's pretty close, I will say. Whichever side I'm working from the most at the time is kind of depending on the starters and stuff you're seeing. Um, I don't know. I can hit them pretty good from both sides. I think what's going to be good for you in pro ball, you're going to see a lot of left-handed pitchers. So, you, so yeah, I could see where a lot of right-handed dominant as you're coming up. College, you'll see more. In pro ball now, you'll see a lot more left-handers, and that should really play for your right side. Yeah, absolutely. Just going, going straight to the ball with that top hand is key for me. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I like hitting lefties. So where do you go? Are you going straight to Vermont from here? Yes, that's what I've been told. Well, let's get it going. <laughs> that's right. Let's go. Congratulations on getting signed. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, for a baseball player, time to be getting work, working out and all that's got to get old as you want to get out and play. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. congratulations. Go enjoy the moment uh, with your family, and we'll see you down in spring training. And good luck to you in Vermont. Sounds good. Thank you all. The number one pick for your Oakland Athletics, Logan Davidson, right here on A's Cast Live. How about that? That was a pretty good stretch right there, wasn't it? Hey, thank you very much. Good stuff. I mean, that you get you got Scott Boris, you got the Mayor Libby Shaft, you got the number one pick. Soon we're going to hear from Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics, right here on the A's. Oh, on A's Cast Live. Looking to take A's Cast on the road with you on your next jog or road trip? Head over to athletics.com slash podcasts, and you can download episodes of Taking Effect, Green and Gold History, A Season on the Road, and more. Visit athletics.com slash podcasts today. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's Cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Want to take home half of the 50-50 pot? This season, you'll have even more opportunities to test out your luck. The Oakland A's Community Fund will host a 50-50 raffle at every home game in 2019. Tickets are sold from gates opening through the last out of the sixth inning, from raffle sellers or at the kiosk at Section 217. The winner will be announced in-game and will receive 50% of the jackpot, with the remainder benefiting the Oakland A's Community Fund. Learn more at athletics.com raffle. Chris Townsend for nestbedding.com. If you've been mattress shopping, you know the cost of a memory foam mattress is insane. And what do you know about the company that makes the mattress and the other one that sold it to you? Check out my friends at nestbedding.com, a local company that actually makes the mattress they sell right here in the USA, which means you get a high-quality memory foam mattress at half the cost, and shipping is always free. I love this company, local business, made in the USA, free shipping. Did I mention their lifetime guarantee? Mattress and bedding needs. Go to Nest betting.com want to add to your collection of a's memorabilia but can't make it to the coliseum during every weekend home series the oakland a's community fund will hold a digital silent auction through the mlb ballpark app you can bid on rare memorabilia items including baseballs jerseys bats game used equipment and autographed items proceeds from the silent auction benefit the oakland a's community fund and its initiatives in the community Download the app at athletics.com slash ballpark app. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, I can say it was an absolute honor to talk to the Hall of Famer Jim Palmer. I like Josh Fegley, good kid. Logan Davidson we just had on, who's the number one pick. The Mayor Libby Shaft, Super Agent Scott Boris. But my favorite is Emo. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of the Oakland Athletics, joining us here on A's Cast Live. Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. And you're, uh, this is what you should have, if you weren't pitching coach and you weren't pro ball, this is what you'd be, you'd be in radio. 
Well, I, I like to talk. You know, I, I got no problem talking. But uh, you know, what you guys do every day is you get to you get to see the game, you get to analyze it from a different perspective. And uh, you know, what we do is we analyze it continuously, and that you know that's a, that's a tough job in itself. But sometimes you, you want to do that uh, backseat quarterback and, and analyze it from the day before. And, and, you know, as a coach, you do a lot of that and seeing how we can, uh, you know, fix our pitchers or what we did wrong or what we did right. We, we can't forget the things that we are doing right, you know, just as much as we are trying to fix the problems that sometimes that occur. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, Radio and TV might be in my future at some point in time. <laughs> <laughs> well, like yesterday, like I, yesterday's loss just, it upset me. And I went off on the postgame show yesterday, and it was like, and I got to think, if I feel this way, how are you feeling after a tough loss as a pitching coach? Yeah, the, you know, no one wants to lose baseball games. You know, you just go home and, and uh, you know, I can't wipe it off. You know, I, I got to try to uh, figure out a, a – uh, solution to the problem I'll, I'll ask why and that's one thing you know maybe I take it too hard too much but you know we all want to win and we w- want to get the players to reach their maximum potential so each and every day uh, losses hurt but you, you do it on wins too you go home and you think about the wins you think about the losses and you just want to try to better the players uh, each and every day which in return will better the team each pitcher is different each guy whether it's starters it's relievers what makes them tick? How important is it for you to be able to get in between their ears and in their mind to really figure out how to make each guy better? Well, we got uh, you know 13 pitchers here, 13 different corporations. That's the way I see it. And I, you know, I tell the pitchers, I don't work for you, you don't work for me. We work together. And at the end of the day, our goal is for them to reach their maximum potential. So each each guy has a different drop down menu per se. And you, you check the boxes in different ways for every pitcher. Some guys you got to be a little tougher on. Some guys you got to be a little bit easier on. Some guys you can't give too much information. You just got to try to find to develop that relationship with each and every pitcher. See how they all tick, and and go from there. And that's the interesting part of the job, you know. And there there are 13 different people, 13 different personalities, and you know we have certain guidelines that we like to have. But nothing's, you know, black and white. You know, you got to have that gray area when you're dealing with 13 different people, 13 different pitchers, and 13 different personalities. Frankie Montas, it's just like everything in his life has come together at the right time. Married, child, split finger, you know, like everything is just, what have you seen with your right-hander where he's just turned into be a really special guy for you? Well, what we were talking about uh, off the air, it, you know, what comes first, the, the, the results or the confidence. You know, once you gain results and, and you can see them, you're going to start gaining some confidence. Uh, you know, everybody's talked about the split finger, and, and we've been working on that for a little over a year now. But the fastball command to both sides of the plate, the movement at 97 miles an hour, and uh, his slider velocity has increased as well. So you got something breaking away from a right-hander. You got something moving down and in from a right-hander, whether it be the split finger at 90 or the fastball at 97. And then, you know, we're incorporating some four-seamers at the top of the zone. You know, the game's moving to more top-of-the-zone fastballs. But when you got guys with good plus sync that we have on this team, you can't avoid them throwing and change everything in one season. You know, Frankie's... That's his game. That's been his game. Uh, we know that uh, the four-seam fastball is going to play into his game at some point in time in his career, and we'll kind of wait to see how many he starts throwing here in the next few years. But, um, 
you know, I think he's taken off and, and the confidence and he's seeing that he belongs here. You know, I, I always say, you know, give pitcher, give a major league pitcher 55, 60 starts and let them feel themselves around the league a little bit before you really make a big evaluation on him. And now it's time where, you know, we can see what he's doing and it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Let's see what he does the rest of the year and we'll move on from there. Yeah, you mentioned pitching up in the zone. It's, it's, it's the way we were taught to play baseball back in the day. We were taught as pitchers to live down in the zone, build your house down in the zone. As hitters, we were taught to hit everything back up the middle, but now there's a defender playing there. It's like it, it, things have changed so much in what we've taught these athletes to do, and the game, the game just keeps evolving. Yeah, you know, uh, the one the one pitch that I still love is the changeup. You know, if hitting is time and pitching is disruption of timing. So if we can disrupt the timing of the hitter, we can disrupt the, the quote-unquote launch angle. You know, these guys want the ball down so they can elevate it. But you're seeing a lot of guys, especially young kids nowadays, uh, are being, te uh, being taught this launch angle swing. And it's really not a swing, it's an approach. You know, if you, you listen to the good hitting coaches, which in my opinion we have the best one in the league in Darren Bush, you know, we, we have an incredible launch angle, per se, as, as a unit. But he's not in there preaching swing up to the baseball, you know. See, you know, stay in your legs, get down through it, short to it, long through it, whatever the hitting guys to talk about. But, um, you know, I, I see a lot of kids and a lot of guys come into professional baseball and they create this, this uphill swing and they're late and they're tardy. So that's why the pitching is decided, all right, if you're going to be late and you're tardy and long and you're up through the ball, we're going to pitch at the top of the strike zone. So, you know, that's what we're seeing a lot of pitchers do. But when you have guys like the Montases, the uh, Trevinos, and the Trainins, and, and they got good velo, it doesn't really matter where they pitch as long as they're disrupting the timing of the hitter and being unpredictable. Can a guy that has that kind of great stuff get into his own head and start thinking about all these different pitches that he can throw and you can just look at him and go, you throw 98, your cutter's 94, get on the mound and just attack. Well, the the uh, the evolution of um, technology is changing a lot of pitchers, some for the better and some for the worse. You know, you, you got a guy, you know, you got the, 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 the track man technology, the Rapsodo technology that tells you your spin rates and your your movements, your horizontal break, your vertical break. And and sometimes it's hard to go from great to, to, to greater, you know. The good pitchers generally can do whatever they want in the big leagues. And, and when you have an average pitcher trying to do too much, he gets in trouble. And not enough, he can get in trouble. So you got to watch the technology. You still got to be able to throw the baseball for strikes. This, this game, you know, I'm, I'm called a pitching coach for a reason. I'm not a throwing coach. So a lot of kids get into pro ball because of velocity, and they think velocity is the key to pitching, but it's not. Pitching is location, change of speeds, movement, and then velocity. If I can do all those things before the velocity, I'm going to be pretty good. If I can do two, with two, uh, two out of three at least, I'm going to be pretty good. But the foundation starts with strike one. you got to be able to throw strikes. Then you got to be able to move your baseball around with the fastball. The power of the fastball, we're losing, we're losing that. And that's why these games are taking forever because everybody's pitching to swing and miss. But if you can locate your fastball and throw timely breaking balls with good change-ups, you'll get the balls in play. And then when you get the two strikes, you'll punch guys out. So, you know, Frankie's a great example. We're, we're, he's changing speeds now. He's mixing in three pitches. So what, what's happened with his stuff? He's gotten better results, more swing and miss, more strikeouts, and he's done a heck of a job. And the one thing, like you think of Brett Anderson as someone who pitches to contact, 
it's like to tell young pitchers, listen, if you're up there going 3-2 on every count, trying to strike somebody out, these guys are all going to be sitting back on their heels. But if you're getting contact early, you're getting balls on the ground, it's going to be so much better for your defense. You keep them in rhythm and you keep them in the game. Is it hard to get guys to buy into that? Well, it, you know, as they come up through this generation of strikeouts, get, get you paid. You know, that, that's the one thing that, you know, a lot of pitchers are thinking about. But, you know, when I turn around and I look and we got Matt Chapman, Marcus Simeon, Profar and Matt Olson playing the infield, and three of those guys last year were in the running for the Gold Glove. Hey, I'm going to try to get the ball on the ground some, you know. And then when I get the two strikes, I want to punch you out. But uh, you know, pitching to contact is is, is awesome. But in reality, want to pitch the soft contact, and that's where I'm talking about with the separation of the fastball and the changeup and and the breaking ball when needed. And I'll keep saying this till I go to my grave. If, if hitting's timing, pitching is disruption of timing, I want to disrupt the timing of the hitter, move the ball in and out, up and down, back and forth. I want to be able to do it all here in the big leagues, be unpredictable. And when we do that, we get soft contact. And when we get soft contact, we get the ball on the ground and we get the game moving along. The baseball is different. So many people think it is. What's your opinion on the baseball today? Well, uh, you know, the, the the, the ball seems to be different. I don't know whether it is, but, you know, the mud we put on the ball, in my opinion, has been a little inconsistent. I don't know when guys are rubbing up the baseball. Some of the guys complain that the ball is like a cue ball or it's too chalky. But let's talk about the bats. Let's talk about the ash wood. Let's talk about how hard these baseball bats are. Let's talk about breaking bags. Hey, I, I, I'll be the first to tell you that my best pitch was my pickoff move. I'll tell you that right now. But I broke five, six bats a game. That's, you know, not, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> that's why I was coaching at 28 years old. Uh, you know, but I will tell you, even even me, a, 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 a soft toss and lefty per se, if you want to say 88 to 92 is soft, then I was soft, but I broke five or six bats a game. I don't see five or six bats a game breaking in the, in the big leagues too often. I mean, the guys yesterday, we had a bat blow up in like three or four pieces, and they were amazed at how bad that bat blew up. And I'm like, man, we blew those bats up all the time 20, 30 years ago. So, you know, I think the bats are harder. Uh, the baseballs, for me, they seem a little bit harder, and the seams aren't that high. Um, but when, when you're hitting a hard bat, it's almost like hitting with aluminum. You know, balls are going to go farther. We're seeing it at the big league level. We're now seeing it at the AAA level because they're using the big league ball. Home runs are flying out at, at a record rate. So it's it's got to be something. Well, I'd, I'd be interested in, in people talking about the bats more than the ball. I'll explore that because I've been exploring the ball. I didn't think about that. What do you think? It's the, the way they stain the bats or making them harder? Well, I think, you know, uh, from what I understand, uh, ash wood's harder than maple, right? So uh, Or harder than whatever wood they use. So maybe there, there's a, a reason for all this. Uh, it, it could be in the bat. I'll start looking into it. Hey, That's what good. I do. <laughs> I got hours every day to figure it out. Let's figure it out. Let's end on this. What's your favorite thing about your job? Uh, just just watching guys go out and compete every day. Uh, you know, I, I love coming to the yard and watching pitching and watching guys create their, their, their day out there on the mound. Uh, you know, I have a lot of fun just sitting back, enjoying the moment, watching these guys and hopefully contributing to their day. Um, you know, I'm there for them. I want them to succeed. Uh, obviously, we want to win baseball games for the organization. We've got a great organization. And... Uh, you know, sometimes the tough part is sometimes you got to be dad and give a dose of reality to some guys and, and let them know how, how we're feeling. 
But, you know, we got a great group of guys. I'm telling you, these guys work hard every day. You know, you show up at, at noon and, and the players get here a little bit after and they're in the weight room doing their stuff with Josh Cuffey and in the training room with Nick Paparesta and doing their stuff. And you don't have to beg for them to work. And, and that's the best part of the job is you don't have to beg for them to work. You got an ear for them. You're, you're watching the video with them and for them and trying to help them out in any way you can. But sometimes good coaching is, is sitting back and per se no coaching. You know, I, I, like to, I like to let the players come to me a little bit. When I got to go to them, I'm going to go to them. But, you know, I see a lot of overcoaching. These guys are here for a reason because they're good. And, you know, we got to keep them good. And uh, I just enjoy these guys coming out there and, and, and throwing a rock around the mound and, and throwing strikes and, and putting hitters away. And it's a lot of fun when we're pitching good. You know, I read that scouting report. It did say one hell of a pickoff move. One heck of a pickoff <laughs> move. Yeah, it's probably on the Internet somewhere, soft, soft, and lefty. How can, a, how can a guy your size be your size being a, a soft off and left? I don't know. I kind of make it up, but uh, I like to. I like to, if you can't bag on yourself, who you, you can't bag on anybody else. But you know, one thing that we need to explore too, and, and if you've seen the movie The Fastball, I don't know if you've seen that movie. Yeah, really, really good movie. But how the velocity is now uh, calculated? It's at 55 feet. So once the ball gets from 55 feet from the front edge of home plate, they measure or, or they. They put it on time. So, you know, we had these old radar guns where these scouts had to hold it with like a bazooka and, and, and it was plugged into a wall or something and, and that's how they got the velocities. And nowadays, you know, I got a little pocket radar thing that's the size of a cell phone that can give me some velos and I think they run a little hot. So, you know, all the guys that say uh, that they're throwing at 95 to 100, maybe a few years ago under those radar guns might not be that hot. I wish those guns would have been hot when I was in college because they weren't giving no it. Maxing out at 88, 89 for a 5'10 right-hander, <laughs> no chance. Hey, you're the best. Thank you for coming out. And uh, let's get the this June thing that normally happens with the A's where they start, start to get hot. Let's start that going tonight. Let's get it rolling. Emo, you're the best, my friend. I appreciate it. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics. Commander Cody, we got one minute left. What a show this has been. Jim Palmer was out. We were talking to him about jockey. I grew up an Oriole fan. I was born in Baltimore, so I watched Jim Palmer a lot. And, uh, you know, if you know, watching the, the Orioles, you know, I like kicking their butts, by the yeah. way. But, uh, you know, that, that's probably my second favorite team in the big leagues just because i grew up an orioles fan i was drafted by them and signed with them but uh let's go out and get them tonight yeah when you had jim palmer out here talking about all the 20 wins and because the a's kind of had their number in the 70s they battled those great a's teams are battling those great orioles teams so what a special day we've had out here all right that's going to do it for a's cast coming up is going to be alex jensen and a's all night i'm heading up to the treehouse at 605 we'll have a's total access and then first pitch at 707 thank you everybody for listening it was jim palmer is libby shaft emo was here josh fegley was here we had scott boris was here am i missing anybody who am i missing Roxy Bernstein was here. What a day here on A's Cast Live. I'll see you at 6.05 as we get you ready for the A's and the Orioles right here on A's Cast powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 